Well, bow with me in prayer while you're turning with uh, your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to open us up in prayer. Father, thank you for these testimonies. And as Jacob shared there at the end, the gospel is what it's all about. We praise you that we can come here to celebrate these seniors and what you've done in their lives. And Lord, celebrate the church and how BCC has poured into them. Father, as we study your word, we pray that you would guide us and use us, Father, to help us fall more in love with you. We praise you in Jesus' precious name with thanksgiving. Amen. Well, for those uh, who don't know me, my name is uh, Jeremiah Nichols, and I'm the uh, student ministry director here at BCC. Work mainly with these amazing students that you got to see up here, hearing their testimonies and worship, and are sitting down right here. And it's been a joy, and it's, just seeing this just gets me so excited. Um, why? Why am I excited? It's just fun to be able to see how God is using these students for his glory. This is a picture of me and my family right here. Uh, my lovely wife, Emily, who, you know, thankfully we were just celebrated 11 years last month, right? All right, I got the month. Woo! All right. And it's fun to have a wife who knows me so well because she's like, hey, you're going to be so excited. You need to pray at the beginning because you don't want to forget. That would be bad. Um, and, and why am I excited? Well, when I started back in January, um, our team can tell you that one of the things I'm most passionate about is thinking through the future. Where are we headed five years down the road and how do we get there? And it was really in that time, that moment together that we were trying to, feel, trying to see where the Lord was taking us, that Jesus really laid on my heart, of, Jeremiah, you're thinking too small. What about 20 years from now? when they are the ones standing up here, when they are the ones leading the church and taking the gospel to the next generation, to America 20 years from now and to the nations. And it was really from that time that the Lord gave us this mission statement. And this is our student ministry mission statement that we have to partner with parents to build a community of next generation leaders who know Christ and make him known. And one of the facts that really just kind of haunted us was a Barna report that came out last year that said of the 70 plus million students in this generation, only 4%, 4% have a biblical worldview. That is what is at stake. And what gets me pumped is I look at these young men and women, I see leaders here, they're going to take that four and change it to eight and that the Lord is going to use to make it 10 and then 20, to reach another generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that is what these leaders are. We want people that are just not going to try and survive, but are really going to thrive and take the thriving in the gospel to a nation desperately in need it, to a world desperately in need it. And that's what gets me excited about this. And so this is going to be a visual picture for us, seeing them up here, of the future leadership of the church here in America. And that just gets me pumped up. Um, when I was 19, I had the opportunity to go to East Asia, and it was a fun experience. Um, our job was to actually go to the southwestern part of East Asia to reach an unreached people group called the Miao people. Um, and our job was very simple. We were supposed to go into villages, find people of peace, 
and uh, have them read out the Bible in Mandarin so that Wycliffe could go and then translate it into the Miao language. And the hope and the vision was that that translation could then be given to them so that they could have the New Testament in their own language. And it was exciting that our first week there, we were all pumped and fired up, like this is going to be great. So we show up and we're walking through this rice paddy and we see this middle-aged woman with a, a child on her back planting rice in the rice fields. And we walk up to her and it turns out she was a person of peace. And she invited us back to her home and, you know, our team was getting really pumped and like this is going to be an amazing opportunity to be able to share the gospel and uh, we initiated with her, and she seemed to be interested, and we were getting really excited, and she said, well, wait, because in 30 minutes, um, my husband's going to come home, and you could share with both of us. We're like, hey, two-for-one deal. This usually only happens in American Mall. I'm excited. This is going to be great, um, and I wish you could have seen my face when her husband walked in, because my heart hit my throat, and anxiety welled up within me, because he was dressed in the uh, camouflage uniform with the badge of a commie sheriff. And I freaked out. I'm going, oh my goodness, we are off the grid. We're off the map. We don't have a cell phone. We could be arrested. We could disappear. Who knows what could happen to us. And yet, inside of me felt this burden to share the gospel with them. And I remembered my mom's words. She said, Jeremiah, you're going to be put in situations where anxiety is going to rise. And when your anxiety rises, you are relying on God less. And it was her words that invigorated me to share the gospel. And I hope one day we get to see that couple in heaven. And it's that culture, that environment, that context that we find 2 Timothy being written. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 2 Timothy. And our passage today is about next-gen leadership and the foundation of faith that holds us up in the face of opposition and fear. And there are many things. It's such a rich letter. You see foundations of faith being in here. You also see foundations of Scripture. What Paul is trying to do is to motivate Timothy. Hey, guess what? It's coming soon. I'm I'm going to be with the Lord and you're going to be left behind. And how are you going to lead out, to lead the church, to draw them near to the Lord? So it's an intensely personal letter from a mentor to a mentee. And it was even exasperated because in July of AD 64, Rome had burned and Nero's response was to blame the Christians. And so it became dangerous to be a Christian. And so what we see here in the context of this, that it was dangerous to have contact, contact with Paul it was also dangerous to be a part of the church. And it's against this backdrop of hostility and pushback that Paul is writing to Timothy to let him know, to encourage and strengthen him for the task that's to come. And I think for us seniors, we see that in our culture today, the pushback that we see and the hostility to the gospel. And how do we respond in the face of that um, in the face of that opposition and hostility. So a key verse that really sums up this is First Timothy, I mean, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, that by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So we have here in 2 Timothy a book about the foundations necessary for endurance through hardship. And so as you think about seniors, as you think about life after high school, what is going to sustain you to live a life of faithfulness to Christ? Let's read the passage. 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1 and read through verse 7. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So looking at verse 5, that's going to be the start of our passage that we're going to be zoning in a little bit more. We see Paul saying, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. In verse 1, we see the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Well, what is that? It's the gospel. So what Paul does at the very beginning is to laser focus in on, say, all of this about everything that we are is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's that faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. That's the foundation, Timothy, that you need to look back to. And so my first, my first principle to y'all today comes from this first, and that is remember your spiritual family. Remember the people that God has surrounded you with to bless you and to point you to him. Um, when I was uh, six, I got experience uh, my first 4th of July, and I discovered this wonderful new toy called fireworks. It was amazing. I discovered these little things called black cats, and oh my, there are a lot of things that you can do with black cats, and I was living the dream. Discovered things like rocket launchers, um, but you know, my cousins, had five cousins and two sisters, and we were all having a blast with those, but we were kind of getting towards the end of that, and we were at my grandmother's, you know, at her farmhouse in Louisville. Texas. Um, And it was fun because she was kind of zoning in. I think she knew with uh, four boy cousins and myself that this probably wasn't going to go well. And so she was there like a hawk zoning in, making sure that we were staying in line. And we kind of got to the end and, you know, most of my cousins um, and my sisters had kind of wandered off. They were getting a little bored. And so Asa and I were playing with sparklers. Ooh, sparklers are so much fun. Um, And what happens at the end of a sparkler? They get really hot, don't they? And so I, you know, wasn't paying attention, and my grandmother warned me. It's like she knew. You know, it didn't take a profit to see where this was going. And she said, Jeremiah, guess what? You know, you need to make sure that you put these up and put them over here. And, uh, well, needless to say, I wasn't exactly doing that. And I came to the second to last one, and I set it down on the ground, and guess what I did? all the way down my foot. And we're not talking a third degree burn that you don't feel. We're talking a second degree burn. And I just screamed in pain. My grandmother just picked me up and took me inside her kitchen. And she had a little stool that was about waist level. And she kind of set me down on it and was just comforting me. I mean, it was everything you wish a grandmother would do in that circumstance. Went and got me some ice, put it on my foot. But one thing you need to remember or know about my uh, grandmother is that she is an evangelist. And so she knows how to capitalize on opportunities. And this was one of those to where I think my grandmother's like, Lord, thank you. This could not have gone better, you know? <laughs> she put her arm around me, and, you know, I was so thankful for what she'd done. said, Jeremiah, close your eyes. I closed my eyes. 
She said, Jeremiah, imagine this pain all over your body. This is what it's going to feel like in hell with eternity without Jesus. No joke. And I was like, Jesus, yes, bring him here. I want him. If he can save me from this, don't have to convince me. But it was through her influence that my cousin, a lot of my cousins and myself came to know the Lord because she poured into us and took every opportunity to say, hey, Jesus is great. He is your Savior. You need him. And it was amazing to see her impact just on our family. And what Paul is doing here is the same thing. He's reminding Timothy of where his foundation of faith comes from. It's those who have poured into him. Your grandmother and your mother have poured into you. Probably they shared with him God's scripture so that when he heard the gospel for the first time, he was able to put two and two together and say, this is what I need. I need this gospel. And that came because of the influence of them. And Paul describes this faith as sincere. Well, what, what is this, you know, sincere? Well, Marty's described to us before that the word hypocrisy comes from the actors in Greece that would put on a mask. And what hypocrisy meant was that's, you know, that you're being somebody who you're not. And what we see here, sincere, is the exact opposite. Is Paul saying, hey, the mask is off. This is you. This is legit. This is sincere faith that I have seen within you. And so seniors, I want to take this moment to remind you that you have had parents. You have had life group leaders. You had 13 years of people who have volunteered with children's ministry who have surrounded you and have pointed you to Christ. And I want to take just a moment because I want you to see this. If you're a parent of a senior here today, I'd like for you to stand up, please. If you're a parent of a senior, I'd like for you to stand up, please. If you're a life group leader um, for one of these seniors, would you please stand up as well? Seniors, this is your spiritual family. This is your spiritual heritage. BCC, and there would be even more here if we counted all the children's ministry workers who have volunteered. This is your legacy. This is your legacy. You can go ahead and have a seat. Why do I want you to see that? Yeah. Why do I want you to see that? I want you to remember as you are going off into life after high school that you are not alone. God has been doing a work through all of these people that you've seen standing here, and that work's not done. He's going to continue to pour into you. He's going to continue to point him to himself by surrounding you with even more people, even more people who are going to direct you to him. And so remember your spiritual family. And what Paul does here is he transitions into an exhortation and a reminder for Timothy in verse 6. And so we see in verse 6, for this reason, the logical consequence of your sincere faith, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And so the second principle I want to leave y'all with today, rekindle your spiritual gifting. Fan it into flame. What does fan into flame mean? What's well, literally to cause to blaze again? Um, and when I was 17 in Boy Scouts, um, we had this amazing competition called the Scottish War Games. I mean, I don't know what can get you more excited than the Scottish War Games. There's nothing like competitive juices that flow when you hear that. You channel your inner brave hearts and you're just going. This is awesome. Um, and we had three uh, competitions. The first one was a hatchet throwing. And our team of five, you know, we, we did okay. We, we weren't too bad. It, you know, we felt like we did good. You know, had good showing in that. The second one was a caber toss. 
Have, have any of you ever heard of the caber toss? few people? Yeah, okay, so you got this big old pole, and you're supposed to flip it and send it as far as you can. Well, you know, our team, we hadn't quite developed the musculars, you know, the muscles that we needed, so we didn't do as well in that, and so when we headed into the third competition, we are kind of feeling it a little bit, you know, like, hey, if we're going to do well, we got to make sure that we do this right, and so the third competition was building a fire, and so what they did is they, between two trees, they put a string about this high right here, and they told us, very simple, hey, you know, make a fire, and the first team to burn that string uh, gets 50 bonus points. And so we had a guy on our team who's turned out to be a brilliant lawyer that was looking through all the loopholes of, like, how can we expedite this process a little bit? And uh, what he came up with was, was simple. It's like, okay, hey, you go and you get some, uh, we'll make a little TP of, uh, you know, a TP of sticks around here. You go, you start with the flint and with the steel trying to make a fire. And then uh, we're going to put some uh, dried leaves and grass on top of the TP. And then the other guy's going to be a bellow. Y'all, y'all know what a bellow is? Kind of that thing, a fan to flame it. And so uh, we created this in less than four minutes. And the adults, you know, they're over there talking, not really paying attention. And we finally get the little steel and flint, the little fire going. And guess what? It runs right up that teepee and burns the string. We won. It was yes. You know, it was awesome. And so you look at that and you're, you know, they come over here and, you know, they're looking at the rules going, okay, yep, looks like y'all did what you're supposed to do. But we missed the concept entirely. The goal of what they wanted us to do was to actually build a smaller fire, then add bigger sticks to that until finally it was tall enough to burn the string. And that's what Paul has in mind here. What Paul is saying is, hey, this is a metaphor. It's not a dying flame that's dying out. Paul is challenging Timothy and saying, make full use of it. Fan that spiritual gift that you have into flame. Fan into what? That God-given spiritual gift that he had been given. And for Timothy, we learn about this where Paul writes in 1 Timothy 4.14 that the gift had come through a prophetic message with the laying on on the elder board's hands. And here we see that Paul states that it was through the laying on of his own hands. So Paul not only knew of the sincere faith within Timothy, but he also knew of the God-given gift that Timothy had been given to serve. And so Paul had been at his ordination. He had seen this and he was saying, make full use of it. And so for you, seniors, as you think about life after high school, remember that you are a part of and God has called you into a community of faith. The small group community that you have enjoyed that's been so rich, don't let that stop now. Continue to be a part of it. And God has given you a gift to be able to serve the community of Christ. Make full use of it. Fan that flame. For some of you, God has clearly called you to be leaders. And I've seen you step into leadership opportunities and lead out. And when you're going out into the world and life after high school, you're going to feel fear that's going to push back on you and say, no, you're not enough. And you're going to be able to have to push back and fan the flame of how God has gifted you. For some of you, it's service. You have poured into and served the children's ministry so well here. Don't let that stop. Fan into flame. And for some of you, God has called you to give. And you're going to be fearful of like, I don't have enough. There's, it's impossible. There are limits to what I can do. But you feel God tugging on you. Say, give more. Fan the flame. Don't be afraid to continue to give. Make it a priority to fan the flame the gift of God has given to you. 
And in order to do that, you have to first make a priority your relationship with the Lord. You're going to feel grades, work, you name it, pushing back on you saying, oh, there's not enough time. You've got to step forth and say, no, this is a priority to me. This is what I need to do. And the way to live out that spiritual gifting God has given to you and how God has gifted all of us is to lead out, to fan that into flame. So we looked at two principles here where Paul is to remi- reminds us of our spiritual family, how we have been poured into, and to rekindle our spiritual gifting. Finally, in verse 7, he shares what Timothy is supposed to rely on. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Rely on the Holy Spirit. When opposition and fear push on you, when it pushes on us, Paul reminds Timothy, you need to remember the Holy Spirit within you. And he develops a contrast to really explain the resources available to us in the Holy Spirit. First, he explains the negative. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Remember the story that I shared at the beginning, that anxiety rising up within me. That's not of God. Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, when that happens, that's not God. And the word here used is cowardice. It's the only time it's used in the entire New Testament. And it means to lack moral or mental strength. And why this word? Well, perhaps you'd become intimidated by the opposition that was pushing back on the gospel and on Paul. Maybe in some way he was feeling threatened or defensive or maybe even ashamed. And for you, seniors, whether it's in college or in the marketplace, you will be tempted to not stand up when people push back on the gospel and on your faith. When bosses and professors say, "Uh uh-uh, what you believe, that's not true. And to share the gospel with them, to step forward in confidence in your faith could be costly, could cost you much. It's in those moments that when you are tempted to be quiet about your faith, to say, you know, maybe I'll compromise just a little bit, just this once. Paul shares the second part, which is the positive, and he explains what we've been given, what you've been given through the Holy Spirit, and that's power. This word means might, strength, force. It's the famous, you know, most of us have heard Acts 1.8 is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. It's the power that comes with the Holy Spirit. So this power that Paul is referring to here is the very power that all of us have with inside of us the moment that we placed our faith in Jesus Christ. And then the next one is the first fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is agape or love. And we see this defined in 1 Corinthians 13 where it says love is patient. Love is kind, does not envy, does not boast. It is a very word that captures faithfulness and commitment. And this is the very love that's been given to you through the Holy Spirit that you have inside of you. Had an opportunity to go with my father-in-law to uh, see the tombstone, a guy who had been incredibly faithful to the Lord, who had given decades of ministry um, to the Lord. And one thing he had done is gone house to house, sharing the gospel in their local area. And it was amazing to hear all the thousands who had been impacted by this guy being faithful to take the gospel to his neighbors. You know, when we got there, I was expecting this big, fancy tombstone, you know, kind of displaying, you know, all that he had done. And on it was just a simple one that had his name, his birth date, and the day that he died. And it said, just in very simple one sentence, it was all Jesus. It was all Jesus. That is the love. The love, the agape that points to Christ, that is inside of you. 
Finally, self-control. And I, I really struggled when I came to this one. Self-control, really? Why this one? You know, I get it. It's kind of at the end. You know, it could be a bookend here to the fruits of the Holy Spirit. That could be what Paul's doing this. And until I realized, you know, just really working through the context of what Timothy would have been going through, he was about to face opposition from outside the church. And if you have the power of the Holy Spirit, the love inside of you, you are also going to need the self-control to be able to respond in a way that was loving. Also, too, maybe inside the church, he was going to face opposition, maybe because of his age. And what we see here is Paul saying, hey, you're going to need self-control in those moments. But also, if you think about it, the context of fear, fear motivates us to make irrational decisions, doesn't it? When fear rises up inside of us, it forces us to make irrational decisions. And what Paul is saying here, that this fear that you're feeling, it didn't come from God. Because we learned in 1 John 4.18 that perfect love casts out all fear. And what Paul is reminding Timothy of is this, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, is more powerful than all we fear. And so when you are tempted to have the anxiety rise up inside of you as you step into life after high school, as we are all tempted, it's good to be reminded of the simple fact that we've been freed from the anxiety that comes from thinking that we have to provide all the resources that we need. You rely on the Holy Spirit because that is where your resources come from. So as you step into life after high school, I want you to remember three things. First, these people who stood up, and maybe ones who didn't, who have poured into you, remember your spiritual family and give thanks. Don't let this busy season of transition pass by without taking the moment to look them in the eye, write them a note, and say, thank you for pouring into me. Second, live out your spiritual gifting in community. You are created for community. Live it out. Live it out. Fan into flame the gift that God has given you. And finally, Rely on the resources available to you in the Holy Spirit because you are not on your own. Lord, we thank you for this incredible reminder of what we have in you. We praise you and we thank you, Father, for this incredible gift and glorify your name, the fact that we are not alone, but that we have the very power of God within us that is provided through the Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we step forth in a culture that is increasingly pushing back on the gospel, Lord, we pray that we would have the courage and the power and the love.